mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. What up? Let's get weird. It's your boy, Bod G. And I'm here with the biggest country bumpkin in the world, my boy, Bob's Lessons. What up, Bob? What up, dude? That's so good, dude. That was so good. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I'm so impressed. So I think the number one, we'll, we'll get into what what all the shit show that's happened, but I think the number one goal today is to prove that, that Tommy is expendable. What do you think about that? Completely useless. And same with Ben. This guy's got a nine to five job. Nine to five. Completely useless. It was hilarious because Tom, yeah, we were talking about the the this, scheduling conflicts last night, and Tom was like, "I wish I wish Ben would just create an app or something, so he wouldn't have to work a nine to five, <laughs> and we could do this podcast during the day." No, he goes, "Ben, can you just do like a half hour on your lunch break?" <laughs> <laughs> like, hey Tom, how about you just wake up? Yeah. <laughs> and then, then Tommy can't wake up, you know. <laughs> but listen, we don't know if he's sleeping. This is all allegedly. We we can't reach him. We had Mad Lab call him. Mad Lab cannot get in touch with him. Mm-hmm. We don't know where he is. We assume he's sleeping. Should we start with if, a Tommy G conspiracy as to what's going on? Was there a uh, prison mic sighting last night? I know it was Game Seven. I didn't check his. Twitter. I don't. I haven't. Ch- I was at work, so I don't know if he went off. But if he does call in, we are one hundred percent patching him in. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I think. I'm assuming there's probably a prison mic showing somewhere, so maybe some of the mercenaries can get out on that on that case and see where's Tommy G right now. Hashtag where's Tommy so, G. This show is going to be a shit show. Neither of us have hosted before. Neither of us have radio experience, so if you don't want to listen, just turn it off. We're going to bring on Mad Lab in about 10, 15 minutes. Right. Mad Lab's going to do a little Diaz Masvidal preview. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'll go into the finders, and then we'll try to have Uncle Danny call in. Sounds good. What's funny is I have a degree yeah. in journalism, and I've never hosted a podcast before. How about that? Really? Yeah. So what the hell are you using that degree Absolutely for? Absolutely nothing, which is another topic Perfect. we can get into at some point. <laughs> oh, how degrees are useless? useless. I, Nobody besides, like, doctors, lawyers, and, like, teachers use their degree. Kurt, I'm staring <laughs> right now at two degrees on my wall. You know, I, I Bro, have two. if you're going to talk, wait a minute, time the fuck out. My name's the bod, first of all. Second of all, you bring me in because the people need my tagline. Just because Tom isn't here doesn't mean you don't bring me right. in. I need to be brought in. So come on and bring me okay, in. Okay, so you need me to bring in the bod, right? Bring me in. So uh, so we're doing like a 2QB system here, right? So like I guess like I'll, I'll like I'll, now as my I'm the turn. running quarterback. Okay. So now let me try. What up? It's your boy Bobby B coming at you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm joined here by the great the reliable, the consistent co-host of the year. Co-host of the year, and I will even defer to that at this point. The bod, <laughs> what's up, the bod? The fucks up, son. Shout out to all the QTNs out there. We're ready to rock this on Halloween. So I think a Q, I think a two QB system will work. You know, I can I can be. I think you're more of the stable pocket quarterback, and you can bring me in oh. for like the uh, you know you're RPOs, like the, run pass option. Yeah, you're like the Tebow. Whoa, actually, you know what? I'll take Tebow. I'll take Tebow, the honest, yeah. honest leader. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll right. Take Tim you are Tebow. an honest leader. So I'm Tim Tebow. Who are you? You're not. Uh, you, are you Mitch Trubisky or what? Are you off the Trubisky? I'm Peyton Manning in his prime. Peyton Manning in his prime. That's good. That's fucking right. I like that. 
So let's start with your uh, your Google search here. Yes. <laughs> when I asked about topics for Halloween, I'm like, yo, let's do like aliens or supernatural. I always try to get aliens the topics, but it never works. So aliens, ghosts, supernatural, something cool like that, lizard people. And your reply was, this is harvest time for Satanist pedos, yeah, right? That's right. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, and then you replied with the uh, the Anchorman, that escalated quickly gif, which yeah. was. So why don't you get into that and tell everyone what that is? <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was kind of tongue in cheek, but I figured since we're doing a Halloween episode, it's the perfect time to talk about like the occult, especially with the finders. Uh, topic coming out we have Epstein and all this you know child trafficking stuff is becoming huge and you know with Halloween I think it's important that we talk about you know diving a little bit into like the history um, of the uh, of the of the day itself and you know but as far as like the harvest time for pedos it's really just a harvest time in general and uh, this is like Halloween is like the Christmas for you know, a lot of the Wiccans and the witchcraft and um, even like the Church of Satan. Like I know it's like basically like their their favorite holiday. So um, there's a lot of eerie shit uh, attached to this holiday. And uh, we can dive into that a little bit today um, if we have time. But yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, it was a little tongue in cheek, but that, that was funny. that uh, it, Well, I definitely took it seriously. Sure. I'm sure Tom and Ben took it seriously. Yeah. I mean, it is serious. You know, uh, it is serious. It was tongue in cheek and serious at the same time. But yeah. Now what we now it is true. So what is harvest time for pedos? Well, you know we talk about Halloween as far as um, it is like a, a like a deep uh, deep ties to witchcraft um, going way back to like ancient Brit- Britain and the Druids, and part of this was like it has a lot to do with like the pagan calendar, and um, there were a lot of like rituals which include like summoning you know demons. Um, part of it was, you know, they would offer up like goats and sacrifice, as well as like burn corpses, uh, corpses, another and all attachment shit. to the finder. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I mean, all this stuff ties in. And then, you know, I, I know I talked about Monsters Inc. before, but and we can talk yes. about David Icke too, because what David Icke's big thing is that the world is run by, you know, Satan, satanic lizard people that harvest, literally, like harvest the energy of humans and especially children and so like with halloween like what's the number one thing that we do like like kids go door to door and you get you know treats or you get tricked and you get scared right and you go to haunted houses right so you know mm-hmm. you take your kids to haunted houses and they get scared and then the fear you know comes up and in they According to David Icke, that's where all the uh, lizard, satanic people get their energy from, is from the fear of children. I know we've talked about, you know, the adrenochrome and all that other stuff. I don't really want to talk about that today, but... um, No, with lizard people, because I don't know too much about lizard people, but what I've seen is they feed off negative energy, right? right? So the theory is, it's I don't know if it was the lizard side of the human brain, or it's literally lizard people that supposedly live what underground yeah i mean these are you know some people refer to them as the nephilim like the fallen angels that bred with the humans uh, i know some uh talk about a different blood Anna. type yeah. you know the rh blood type which uh is not compatible with other blood types so you know you hear so is yeah. that anunnaki or is that different see that's that's where it kind of gets a little murky for me because to be honest like 
it loses me a little bit with that. I don't know if they're two separate things or if like the lizard people and the Anunnaki are kind of from the same family, but these are kind of the theories. And, you know, I know Ben's into hollow earth and, uh, you know, so they're like all the mysteries surrounding Antarctica with the lizard people. Um, but, but Ike, you know, Ike's big into like simulation theory as well, you know, which I know is like one of your big things, but, um, you know, as far as like whether it's actual lizard people or whether it's just a lizard side of the brain, um, I think Ike's more into the shape shifting, right? So it's like actual right. lizard people that shape shift. Living amongst yeah, us. Yeah, living amongst us, kind of like uh, men in black kind of thing where you can literally shape shift from an alien form into a human form. Um, All right, so yeah. before we dive deeper, what is your percentage on this lizard people on Earth uh, or in Earth, whatever? <sighs> I'm gonna say 25 percent. Now, what do you think Tom is? I think Tom is. I think Tom is a lizard person. So I think he's 100. <laughs> percent <might> <laughs> I think I think he's 100 percent lizard person. So I, I think my 25 percent comes mainly from my lack of research. You know, um, mm-hmm. but you know, when you go on like David Ike kicks, dude, like your whole world just like turns upside down. It takes you like a week to kind of like you know to you know, come down off the David Icke kick. So I, I try to limit my David Icke shit, you know, as much as I possibly Well, can. the one thing that does make sense out of the whole thing is how they feed off negativity. Right. And it is true how, as a human, we default to negativity. It's easier to be angry than it is to be happy. Sure. So it almost makes sense that something feeds off our negativity and something forces the negativity. That's why you always see, so yeah, that's that, why you always see, you know, people pitted against each other and that's why you know when you talk about controlled opposition right you have forces that you know are organized against each other for the purpose of just you know uh bringing negative energy into the world you know and that's why on halloween when we talk about ha- you know haunted houses and, and trick-or-treat and, and you know what's the number one uh costume that that girls wear other than like be dressed up as like anything yeah slutty. anything slutty is a witch you know so it's right. it's normalizing witchcraft and and Wiccans and a lot of these pagan rituals and it's it's crazy because everything ties into the Clintons, man. Because you know there's a lot of stuff about Hillary Clinton being a witch and practicing Wiccan, and there's this there's well, no, there yeah. was uh, Secret Service agents that came out and said they they dropped her off right. at certain witch rituals or whatever stuff like that. Right? Yeah, and there was a certain place called uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Um, but it was, it was this, it's this place that a lot of celebrities, including Hillary Clinton, have, have gone to. Um, it's like a – it's called The Cove, or I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. But it's a, it's a – you know, they have like an Instagram page and everything, and, and they practice witchcraft. And, and a lot of politicians and celebrities have been pictured there and are associated with this particular uh, coven is what they call it. So um, it's pretty weird shit, man, but – I mean, think. I mean, if you think about it, dude, like Halloween, it's been kind of normalized, and you know, it's fun and everything. And you know, I, I don't want to ruin it. And I, I know it's a, it's a, it's a fun holiday, but it does have some like dark ties, obviously. And uh, you know, it's something that, obviously, on a conspiracy podcast, that should be discussed, you know, in some detail. But um, but that's what I always wondered with negativity. So anyone that has all the power all the money in the world, say like a Clinton family, right? So if you're Bill and Hillary Clinton, when you reach that point where you could have anything you want, you can control anything you want, you can have anyone you want killed, these people in power resort 
to negativity, right? Right. Right. And that's what you see with all these elitists that come up. You never see like a good elitist that's doing all this great. It's always well behind the scenes that we know about. Yeah, we doing negative and stuff. And we also talk about how like they use fear to break us down to get their policies implemented too, you know? Cuz mm-hmm. fear is what, you know, if we have a well, yeah, if we have a strong climate change. Right. Yeah. So when I talked about the Club of Rome and we can discuss that if we get to the Getty fires today, that was the beginning of the fear tactics used for, you know, what was it first, like global cooling, then ozone layer, then ice age, then global warming, and now it's climate change. They just change whatever the fear tactic is because the fear tactic breaks you down and makes you more vulnerable and susceptible to manipulation, you know. So the same goes with, applies with everything, including, you know, using fear in haunted houses to create negative energy for these children, which fuels the you know, the satanic lizard people, according to Alex Jones and David Icke, you know, so, um, actually Alex Jones got big into that when he was on Joe Rogan and then he got made fun of. And then it was funny cause there's this really good YouTube video where, uh, um, uh, shit, who's the founder of Tesla? Why am I drawing? Elon Musk was saying the exact same shit about these interdimensional right. beings. Oh yes. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. So, and one was seen as crazy, the other was seen as like a genius. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they're saying the same thing, but one's portrayed as a genius and the other's portrayed as crazy. It's kind of like, you know, when they talk about women, the only difference between like creeping on a woman and, and, and hitting on them is whether or not the woman's attracted to you. So, you know, if the, she's not attracted right. to you, you're a creep. But if she thinks you're hot, then, you know, you know she's turned on by it. But it's essentially the same shit. Right. So, yeah. So Halloween's evil. So it started basically to scare away. What was it? To scare away uh, evil spirits. Is that how it all started? Uh, it's apparently according to the pagan calendar. And, and I could be wrong about this. That this is this is the time of the year between like like the autumnal equinox and the summer and the winter solstice, I believe. And it's like a, supposed to be like a really vulnerable time for for spirits to be summoned. So like. The, the the druids uh, would use these to, to summon ghosts, and the, the costume aspect of it has to do with um, when these ghosts get get uh, summoned, you, you put on these, these Halloween costumes to disguise yourself so that you can't be recognized. Um, and uh, so that's where, the, like, the, the, the history of, like, dressing up in costumes came. So all this stuff has, like, pagan backgrounds. Um, and uh, and what about a Ouija board? It's kind of the same thing, man. Just fucking with the the afterlife, you know. It's kind of all this. Have you ever done one? I've never done one in my life. Really? Have you? Yes, and I was scared shitless. It was like pitch black in this kid's basement. I don't even know. It was like middle school or something. And I think someone was fucking with us in another room making noises. I was scared <laughs> shit. I'm. I love this stuff, but I like we're in New Jersey, so we have weird New Jersey. Yeah where it's all these random things in New Jersey that are creepy and you go around and do them. I love it, but I get scared easily. See, I yeah, man, <laughs> I just like I don't like fucking with that stuff. I think, you know, leave the dead be, you know, don't bring them up. You know, I think we should just uh I don't know, leave it be, man. Don't fuck with all that stuff, but So what do you think happens when you die? Oh my gosh. I you know, I'm I'm one of those like energy can't be created or destroyed, you know, and uh there were certain, I don't know the validity of the test, but I've read tests where, like, you can actually scientifically prove that the spirit leaves the body, right? I think... Yeah, with the weight. With that, is it with the movie, like, 21 Grams or something like that? You know, it has to do with... Yeah, that. the weight changes, yeah. Yeah, so I think the spirit moves on because, you know, 
like I was even thinking about this the other day. Like I'm half Irish, and we're 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 prone to depression. And I'm always the one. You got some Irish? I'm half Irish, fifty percent. You're not a hundred percent Ginza? No, man, half Irish, Shit. half mixed. There's something up with you. Yeah, that's a that's a, it's a little known mystery. So like we're yeah. we're prone to depression, and I was thinking like mm-hmm. why would an entire like society or group of people be associated with this particular link? You know, and it has to do with either some type of major trauma that occurred with the people that got passed on. I feel like, you know, like emotional trauma gets passed on as well as, you know, whether it's alcoholism or depression or, you know, Italians with their irritability and anger issues. You know, a lot of these quote-unquote stereotypes that we talked about, I mean, I feel like this is like some type of energy being passed on from generation to generation, you know, and that's where some of these predispositions come in. So, um and I know I've talked about this before, uh, around 9-11, uh, in the weeks before, um, there was an increased rate of depression, of diagnosed um, clinical depression weeks before 9-11. And I know we talked about how major, like, catastrophic events can, you know, ripple through space and time, you know. And uh, that's why, like, you know, when we talk about energy, like, everything has to do with energy, in my opinion. Right. You know, like, I'm a big, like, right. Tesla guy. And that's what he talks about. Like, if you want to know the keys of the universe, think in terms of energy and frequency, you know. Right. And he always says, what, three, six, nine are the three numbers yeah. to life or yeah, whatever. Yeah, three, six, nine yeah. are big numbers. And, you know, the occult, like, they, they love their numerology, you know. And uh, I think I think a lot of times they use the numerology to mock us. And the big thing with the occult and, and uh, you know, a lot of people kind of have a misconception of it. Occult really just means secret. So, you know, that's the, the mm-hmm. precipice of it. Secret society. Secret society, secret knowledge that is hidden from, you know, the rest of the people and only a select few people have. And so their their numbers are almost like their call signals, you know, are a way for them getting that occult information out there. I know a lot of them are big into, like, that karma stuff. So, like, they feel like if, you know, if they're – Whatever they're doing, as long as they tell us beforehand, whether it's, you know, like through predictive programming or just, you know, like just releasing it to the public without directly saying it, um, then the karma is no longer on them. You know, that's why, like, you know, when you see, like, remember we talked on the 9-11 episode about all that, like, predictive programming stuff, like on the Simpsons and on the dollar bill Mm -hmm. and all that shit? You know, according to some people, that's like the elite's way of like getting the information out there and like telling us that it's coming, you know, and, uh, uh Bob, Bob, I need to interrupt you, Bob, breaking <laughs> news. Uh, mad lab wants to be patched okay. in. He does not have much time. We're going to patch mad lab in. Let me call him. Yep. I don't know how the sound is going to go, but let's try this out. All right. So let's see. We hit speaker. You can hear me, Bob. Got it. All right, now we're going to call Mad Lab. We're going to get a preview on this weekend's card. What are we at? UFC 244? 244. The beat, was it the BMF belt? The BMF? Yeah. All right, so we're going to get Mad Lab in. Here we go. Lab. Hello? Lab, you're on the podcast with Bob and the Bod. Lab, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right, now we need you to talk up because I'm going to be holding the phone to the mic. Welcome back to No Mercy Med Lab. What is up? Bro, we had to get rid of Tom so we could get you back on the pod. That's the only way to make it happen. 
That's all that we listen. Listen, listen. <laughs> the band of brothers are back again. Back. Now we got to get Rob, and we can get this going. That's it. So we got a couple minutes here. Why don't you talk us through the main event of UFC 244? Give us a little preview. All right, so obviously everybody knows that this is the uh, the bell for the baddest motherfucker on the planet um, that is actually pre-made by the UFC. Um, it is it's 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 kind of an interesting fight, right? If you really think about it, both of these guys were kind of late bloomers in their career. If you look at their records, they're really not. If you didn't know who they were, you look at the records, they're really not super impressive. I mean, they they their records kind of are kind of middle of the way, but it seems like both of these guys have come into their own kind of at the same time it's almost like a perfect time for these guys to cross roads and both of them have a very very similar you know background and style as far as their attitudes and where they come from they're just kind of from different coasts uh you know nate diaz on one end of it he uh you know he really jumped into superstardom obviously everyone knows with the late uh, replacement with uh, conor mcgregor beating him and that springboarded him Masvidal, the same thing, just a little bit more of um, a numerical order. He had to go through a couple people with some, you know, big-time knockouts. His last knockout's obviously going to be a highlight reel in the UFC, you know, uh, films for a very long time. But both of these guys match up kind of really well with each other, and I think this is going to be a very much of a dick-measuring contest. You know, both of these guys have a lot of pride. Both of these guys like to get dirty. They they like to get grimy. They're not going to back down or shadow down from a fight. Um, you know, when you look at Nate Diaz, you see his, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black, uh, uh, background, which is extremely high pedigree, but he likes to stay on his feet. And if you watch him, if you watch the way his punches come out of a barrel, his arms are kind of, they look rubbery sometimes. They don't look crisp, they don't look sharp, but he's one of the most accurate pinpoint strikers. He ties his punches together very, very well. It seems like he's got magnets in his gloves. They always kind of connect. He's got uh, he's that slap punch. Yeah, he's got that Stockton slap. He's not going to knock you out with one punch. That's just not Diaz. What he does is he beats you with volume. And the way he beats you with that volume is that as you're getting tired, which is normal, he gets better as the fight goes on. He understands how to gauge his cardio. He understands that he is a late starter. He likes to start out slow, and he likes to build up the pace. And what he what he does with that is as you're starting to die down, die down he puts his foot on the clutch, pops it, and he goes into another gear. And that's how Nate Diaz beats you. Roy Masvidal on the other end, he's a little bit different. He comes out of the gate to throw. You throw, he throws. He's, you know, the thing, the misconception people have on Masvidal is they look at him, you know, back in the street uh, fighting days when, you know, uh, he was fighting under Kimball Bell, uh, Kimball Slice's thumb, you know, in backyards and stuff for money. They think this guy's just a, a brawler, just a slugger. He's not. He's a very, very good wrestler. He's, he's got very serviceable, uh, serviceable uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And the thing with him is that his wrestling is very, very good. It's very defensively sound. If you looked at when he fought Damian Maya, Damian Maya backpacked him for quite a while. You know, and for quite a while, and he was able to, you know, withstand that and, and, and endure that and, and not get submitted. So he's a very good defensive wrestler. He understands how to get back to his feet. So this is going to be really a fight of Mazadal's cardio, you know, because he's got the power, he's got the size, he's got the strength, he's got the ability. He's not going to let, you know, Nate Diaz push him in the corner. He's going to push back. Uh, it's really going to boil down to where is his cardio? Can he keep up with Nate Diaz's pace? Can he keep up with his cardio? And if he can, you're going to look at a, an extremely, extremely good fight, a very, very, very good fight, like a, a fight that's going to kind of match up to what they're saying it's going to be. So, I mean, I don't know if you're looking for a prediction or I know you just wanted a small breakdown, but that's pretty much the way I'm breaking well, it down. I don't expect this thing to go to the ground that much. Hey, uh, Do you think Maddie, the pressure... Uh, Madlow, can you hear me? Madlow, can you hear me? 
what's going on? I've been looking forward to this. Really talking to you about this kind of stuff because I love this shit. So, you know, in the Masvidal Till fight, he kind of did the same thing where he like weathered the storm and he's got that knockout power. So, I'm pretty sure Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz has never been knocked out, correct? So, it's fair to say that it's probably either going to go the distance or it might be a Nate Diaz submission if he wins. Is that a fair assessment? No, I don't think so. I, I I don't think that I don't think that Nate Diaz can submit him. If Damien Maya can't submit, I mean Damien Maya had his back, literally backpacked. Uh, Mazdal is an extremely good defensive wrestler. He's very underrated with his wrestling, you know. So I don't think there will be a submission. I don't think Nate Diaz can knock him out. I think if Nate Diaz wins, it's going to have to be by points. I think Mazdal has a better chance of knocking Nate Diaz out than 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 flip flop. Um, but you know, it, it, like I said, it, this is where it, this is where the cardio is going to you know come into play here. This is where if he starts on, because listen, if you really look at it, the numbers, and you look at the way the fight history goes with these two guys, Mazadal should win the first round. He should kind of look like he's winning the fight in the beginning, because Nate Diaz does not touch that gas pedal until the end of the second round. He kind of has to warm up, and he admitted to that in his last fight against in his last fight that was a three round fight. He said this was very uncomfortable right. for me. I was getting right. tired. He's like, because I had to step on the gas from point A to right. point B. He's not, right. That's not his fighting style. So is he going to be able to put enough pressure on Masvidal to gain those rounds back if he goes down? That's where it's going to get interesting. And is Masvidal's cardio going to hold up and be able to fire back when Nate Diaz starts getting into that, that rhythm and starts you know, unloading those combinations? Because he ties his punches together really well. And once he starts getting his range and finding his target – he just moves forward and he starts peppering. Yeah, I just don't think Mazdal's going to allow him to do that. I think he's Mazdal's going to push forward. So it, it's kind of it's going to kind of be it's going to be very interesting. But I don't see this going to the mat, in, you know, for that long. And if it does, it's going to it's 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 going right back. And this to is so. Do you think okay. it'll live up to the hype? What's that? Do you think this is going to live up to the hype or be a dud? I think it's going to live up to the hype because I don't think both of these guys fight cautiously. You know, that's the thing. Both of these guys got the mentality not to, not to fight cautiously. They chose to fight each other. You know what I mean? So this isn't a fight where, you know, I'm afraid of your, your ground game. I got to watch two levels. I got to, you know, uh, I got to watch your overhand right. Like these guys have a different mentality. They, they both want to throw. They both really want to, you know, see who can knock who out. I mean, that's basically what this is, who can finish who. So I think these guys are going to kind of meet in the middle. And they're going to go after it, man. Like I said, I think this is going to be a dick measuring contest. It's also crazy because also crazy this because is unprecedented as far as a headliner uh, of a pay per view event with with it's not a title shot either, technically, right? There's no belt on the line, so we have a headlining event, yeah. five round fight between two fighters. There's no belt on the line, and it's, it, I don't know. What do you think the pay per view numbers would be? I think it's going to be through the roof, but I'm, I don't I don't know if I'd consider myself a casual fan. So you know, I'm, I've been pretty hardcore UFC, you know, since the beginning. So. You know, I don't know. Do you think the pay per uh, view numbers are going to reflect uh, how popular this fight is? Well, yeah, I think the pay per view numbers are going to be through the roof for a few reasons. You got to remember, the UFC is a business. You know, they're very, very calculated. They're thinking way ahead of this fight, so they're thinking that you know, obviously Nate Diaz is a needle mover. They know that now. You got Jorge Masvidal, who there's no better time to showcase him. You know, right now it's another bad boy in the sport, but they're looking ahead, so they're saying, okay, if this fight. Whoever wins this fight, we can make this belt the baddest motherfucker on the planet belt, whatever they want to call it. And whoever wins this fight now, they know Conor McGregor's coming back. He already announced that he's coming back in January. And he has a landscape, a blueprint set for himself, how he wants uh, you know, the, reg- the regiment to go if he wins those fights. And obviously, Nate Diaz or Jorge Masvidal is in, is in that target. So 
they're very calculated. They know how to market. They understand, you know, uh, you know where the landscape's going to go. They know that eventually McGregor's fighting the winner of, of either of these guys. It doesn't matter who it is. I'm sure they want it to be Nate Diaz because they want the trilogy out of it and everybody else does. But they know eventually he's got to go through this fight to get to another another title shot. It just it's it's it has to happen, you know. So. And that's what Conor McGregor wants. That's what he voiced. So they're very, they're very, it's, it, I, you know, and obviously you got two guys who are honestly the realest guys in the sport. If you really want to look at it, you know, both of these guys, really, they're not media crazy guys. They don't care about the media. Um, they're not on, you know, social media crazy. Mazadal is a little bit now. I mean, I got to say a little bit now. He's getting a little cozy to social media and the camera. But other than that, both of these guys are really just no nonsense guys from the street that are just, you know, Blue-collar fighters, man. Like, just, just blue, blue-collar fighters. So, yeah. And uh, so, I think that's yeah. what appeals to the masses. The, uh, I the, thought it was uh, an epic boss move on Nate Diaz to come out in front with that USADA shit and just say, like, you know, like, F this, I'm not going to fight, I'm not going to cheat. Do you think that um, with all this USADA testing that Nate Diaz may change the way these fighters get tested and the whole process itself? Because it seems like it's pretty flawed right now. Well, it can, and you know, people people have a misconception of the way that whole thing went down, and I agree that I wasn't crazy about it, but the reason why when it goes down like that and the reason why you really can't blame USADA for it is because Nate Diaz is the one that came out and publicized it. They did not. So basically what they do, if there's a trace in his system that's that minuscule and that small, they will allow him to fight. Okay, they will allow him to fight with the terms that afterwards there can be, you know, you're going to get retested. There can be a repercussion involved. It wasn't like they found a, a, like this mash trace. They found, you know, a, a, a very, you know, a minuscule trace uh, that they would have to retest, you know. So but he didn't want to hear anything about it. So he came out publicly and said, I am not fighting until you clear my name. But that's what makes him real. You know, you, you, there's so many times this happens where they'll find something extremely, extremely small, and then they'll, they'll, you, the fight goes on. And then when you retest, okay, well, now it was a no contest, or now they you know, overturned. Happens, uh, you know, a lot because majority of the time when it's that minuscule, it, show, it shows up as negative during the next test anyway. You know, in, in a situation like John Jones where, you know, they found picograms and this and that, it's, to me, that was bullshit. You know, to me, that was bullshit. They were hiding something. It's always John Jones. John Jones is always the victim. It always seems to land on his lap. But somebody like Nate Diaz, that the kid's a vegan. I mean, he, him and his brother for years and years and years have been against steroid abuse and stuff like that. I find it extremely hard to believe that that kid had any, any foul play. So he knew what he was doing. He knew he had nothing in the system. So he came out publicly and said, listen, they want me to keep my mouth shut, but I'm not. Hmm. All right, Mad Lab, before we let you go, how do you feel about Tom pulling a no-show? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna have to go by his house, hop on his balcony, and see what's going on. <laughs> and then before you go, one more thing. Candy apples. You're asking my opinion on candy apples? Yeah, do a little <laughs> Mad Lab hates. <laughs> I think fucking candy apples are fucking horrendous. I just stick it up someone's ass. <laughs> All right, thank Wait, you, I, I Mad Lab. We'll try question. to get you back on the pod. I got one more quick question. I we are technically today, I guess, a conspiracy podcast. If there's one conspiracy in the UFC that you think could be plausible, what would it be? Anything involving refs, tainted supplements, anything like that? Any big conspiracies in the UFC? I mean, I don't know if you consider this a conspiracy, but I do think that there's, um, I do think there, uh, there is a, you know, system in place 
with like uh, the UFC where they kind of, you know, they kind of roadmap, the, 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 you know, where where things are going to go. They kind of know. Their matchmakers are very, very good. Uh, they understand what they're doing. They understand how to rip film. They understand that ma- that styles make matchups and stuff like that. So I think they, they really do have a storyline in place. But you do got to go in and you got to fight right. the fight. You still right. got to fight the fight and you still got to win. But I really do believe that the UFC does have storylines in place that they want to come to fruition, whether it's six months ahead, a year ahead. They, they know what they want. And if, 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 you know, shit hits the fan, then, you know, it's obviously not on them. But I do think that. I do think they have their favorites. I do think they align fights to align the stars and stuff like that. And I think they're, you know, as far as the judging and stuff like that, I don't think they're in cahoots. But I do think they do have storylines in place. That's just my opinion. Okay. All right. Thank you, Lab. Thanks for coming on. We're going to talk to Tom and get you back on the podcast. Yeah, man. Listen, guys, happy Halloween. If you do do the uh, the candy apple on the ass, make sure it's <laughs> sticky so it stays in there. <laughs> All right. I'll see you later, guys. All right, peace. Bye-bye. All right. Bob, you still on? Yeah. 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 Woo. Man, you have no idea what I had to do over here. What did you do? And I've been changing levels and like uh, changing the volume. And then when you had to talk, I had to like move the phone out of the microphone so it didn't come in twice. It was a fucking mess. <laughs> this is awesome. This is so I have no idea how this it's is a perfect. Sound. This is exactly what I wanted this episode to be. By the way, this is going perfectly <laughs> according to my plan. <laughs> you know, so oh I can't wait to hear what that sounds like. Uh, the post production. So if that sucked, I'm sorry, but oh, what a segment, yeah, man! He's 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 so good. He's he's really insightful, and uh, I mean, I I I've never talked to anybody that knows more about mixed martial arts than he does. You know, I've, that's he's one of the reasons why you know anytime he's on, I'd make sure that I tune into y'all's podcast. You know, um, he's right. got really good in- insight about that shit, and he's entertaining as hell. So uh, you know, who wins? Who wins right, that so fight? Had, who wins it? Who do you think? I got Masvidal. I, Diaz doesn't have any power, and I don't think he could take him on the ground. Like, I don't think those little slap punches are going to knock out a street fighter. As you know, I'm a street fighter, so street fighter to street fighter, I can't imagine a slap fighter beats a street fighter. <laughs> How many fights have you been in your life? God, a couple hundred. <laughs> I've won every one of them. So who do you have? Ah, uh, You know I'm going with my boy Diaz. Yeah, you love Diaz. Yeah, Diaz is uh, from day one, man, from day one. He's the first fighter I won money off of. First time I ever bet on MMA was that first Diaz McGregor fight when I went. What was it like plus? I think it was like plus three fifty, plus oh, three seventy five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's funny because I texted my friend. I said, "Hey, will you place this bet for me? I put a hundred dollars down on Diaz." He's like, "You're a fucking idiot. I'll take that bet." I was like, "You do realize yeah, you're gonna pay me three hundred fifty dollars if that happens?" Bro, there was still people betting on McGregor against Khabib. Oh man. Like, people have a tough time separating the hype from realness. Right. I mean, Khabib's done the so, same thing to every single opponent. He just swallows you. It's number one bullshit. What does he say? He's, I right, it's so funny. When uh, Dana White posts that he's fighting Ferguson, I saw, like, the comments. Some people are saying, finally. This fight's been scheduled three At times. Least. There's no fine. Yes. Like, there's no guarantee on this happening either. Yeah, some, some bullshit's going to happen. But I'm interested All to right, see so how they're going to... All right, so we got gonna, MMA. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So now, where do you want to go? Epstein. we got to go into Epstein, right? Yeah, I mean, I know I know we're kind of getting Epstein fatigue here, but this uh, this guy just came out and said that um, 
you know, he ruled, you know, by his judgment, it was uh, a homicide and not a suicide. And, and I know we wanted to have our little victory lab today because we talked about it, you know, a couple of months ago and everybody still said we were conspiracy theorists. But, you know, I'm still skeptical about it just because this guy was like, what, like he was hired by Epstein's brother or something? I don't know. I mean, do you know more about yeah, this than I do? Like, yeah, this is a famous guy. Like, I think he's the most famous uh what is it uh autopsy guy right so yeah he was hired so some people say it's biased but at the same time isn't it biased the person that originally did it they don't want to make the prison look bad i just think there's bias everywhere you know like and i know this sounds weird and i'm probably in the, the minority of this but when i first read this this made me think that epstein was still alive because it's like the first narrative was suicide mm. right and then what happened was epstein became a meme right like at this point, nobody buys that it. it was a suicide. So I almost feel like the narrative has to change. We're like, all right, they didn't buy it as a suicide, but we still have to make sure that they think he's dead and that he's not walking around. So let's let's put this famed what you know what was he like a toxicologist or something or I don't even know what you yeah. mortician, um, you know, to tell everybody that it was a homicide. So at least you know we could believe that's it. I don't know, dude. I don't know what to think of it. I just I always question the narrative, as you would say when. There you yeah, go. Yeah, well, QTN. When the Times reports on it in the Post and, you know, like... Well, the scary thing is not so much what happened or anything. The scary thing is that there's people out there, the elites, that are having people killed whenever they want and not being held accountable and not being investigated. Right. That's the scary thing that everyone just ignores. Everyone thinks this, this is like some kind of big joke. But you're watching person after person dying... Like the Clinton body count. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. And it's in the like, 50s. I mean, the number's like in the 50s here. Like people that were going right. to testify. Um, yeah, like what are the odds Hillary Clinton's attached to this many people that commit suicide? Uh, 100%. And, you know, we talked about Seth Rich a little bit, the, the, the DNC staffer that had the server and leaked right. all those uh, documents to WikiLeaks who got – um, you know, killed in a quote-unquote botched robbery where the apparently the person that robbed nothing, nothing was, stolen. was fucking stolen, <laughs> dude. You know, but Seth Rich like, is. How did they mess that part oh, up? Oh, dude, uh, it, it boggles my mind. Like, how do you not tell the guy? Listen, take everything <laughs> like, on him. <laughs> like, who the fuck did you hire? Like, you you have to make this seem like a robbery attempt. Number one rule of a robbery is to rob the person. I think is to take their shit, oh, is to take yeah. their money, all their possessions. You know, so um, you know that that's one of the many red flags. But I'm just happy that uh, there's a lot of people out there that are keeping uh, Seth Rich's name in the headline. One of which is my boy Ben Askren, dude. Which he tweeted about that two oh, days God. ago. You know, that's my boy, and I know you don't like him, but. Um, I don't mind him. I just, I, it's another, I hate when there's a guy that just talks a lot of smack and then isn't good. Right. Like Ben Askren, I guess he's great on the ground, but I mean, he's gotten his ass kicked in three fights in the UFC. I say he got his ass kicked in one and a half fights. Cause no. he had a fun, whatever, whatever. <laughs> anyway. So the point the point thing, oh yeah. And then you had like Kevin Spacey's accuser just died. Did you see that? Oh, so Kevin Spacey's accuser and all of a sudden his case is thrown out. This is what I mean. Like, people just ignore this stuff, but there's a huge issue here. And the reason they could do this is because we're so unorganized. Mm -hmm. Like, we as the people don't come together and say, no, 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 no. There needs to be some kind of investigation. We just let it go and move on to the next thing. And that's why the importance of killing— going to die out. That's why the—you know, it doesn't matter. What what happens is, is, like, people get all enraged for two days— 
and then another story immerses, and then right. people get redirected over there. That's why when we talk about false flags, that's one of the primary objectives of a false flag is to either redirect somebody's attention from, you know, divert. It's just like a magician's trick, right? You're trying to divert people's eyes away from what's really going on. And so, when, well, same you know, with uh, like Jesse Smollett, right? His thing happened, and now it's just gone. It's gone. He wasn't held accountable. It was just gone. Right. Obama made a phone call, and now it's just gone. That's <laughs> it. it. And uh, you know, the Smollett thing has a lot of a lot of you know deep ties to a lot of the Chicago politicians too. So I mean, there's 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 deeper stuff behind the uh, Smollett. Um, I think there was like some anti-lynching legislation that was trying to get passed at the time too. That was uh, being pushed, and and that was that was kind of one of the things that was uh, you know they were trying to get going. Like literally, the guy had a noose around his fucking neck. You know, when the cops showed up, did you see that video? Yeah, <laughs> the police cam. <laughs> yeah, when the yeah. Did you see the Dave Chappelle joke That's about so it? The Dave. No, I didn't oh see that. Oh my god! If you guys haven't seen the Dave Chappelle special, he does a whole bit. He calls him Juicy Smollett, and he's like, he's like, listen. Normally, I don't side with the police, but like, he goes into just. I can't do it like him, but it's unreal, dude. How he just rips into uh, Jesse Smollett, and he was saying how like this, black people showed their support by being completely quiet about it because he said yeah. the black community knew that it was bullshit from the beginning, you know? So, um, this is why it's like so important to divide and conquer, which is what they do. They divide us as a country. So when something like Jesse Smollett happens, right. there's one side and then there's another side right. instead of us being all together and saying, whoa, 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 this guy did this. We spent how many man hours investigating something. Someone needs to be held accountable. Sure. I don't care if Michelle Obama called, wherever she called and to check in on this right like we we the people need to come together at some point yeah and that's why you know i tell people you know i know we talk about the left a lot but realistically it's not like a left versus right battle what what i'm my goal is at least is trying to get people out of the stockholm syndrome thing like defending the authority defending the elites you know like Calling me conspiracy theories, calling me anti-science, like for doing what you do, questioning the narrative. Because that's what the elite want you to do. They want you to be asleep. They want you fighting amongst each other rather than, you know, like the worst thing that could ever happen is if, if, you know, because that's why they try to divide us by class, by race, by sex, anything to separate us. So imagine if the classes and the races and the sexes got together and all started picketing Washington and picketing the Federal Reserve and um, everything like that, you know, not right. Like what you're seeing in Hong Kong. Exactly. Which is crazy because, you know, and I know we've talked about the NBA, but you know, their stance on, you know, uh, standing for something, even if it means sacrificing everything, Nike, cause Nike owns the NBA dude, you know, and, and Nike's got right. major plants in China. Um, so Nike essentially runs the shit, you know, runs the show, which is why everybody's fucking silent right now. So, I mean, dude, but there's like, there's movements going on in Hong Kong. There's there was a recent movement going on in Lebanon. I mean, you don't hear. Was there one in Chile? Something was going on in Chile, I think. Poss- oh yeah, there was something Could going on in Chile. No, they just I think they just set fire to like uh, one of their major. Um, yeah, they, there was a bunch of fires and stuff set to like political buildings and stuff. So, well, while you say fires, why don't we do the Getty fire real quick? Okay. Yeah, we can cover that real quick. Um. You know, it's cool. It's kind of crazy because as soon as I heard about these fires in California and they were near the Getty Museum, my alarm uh, immediately went up. So why don't you explain that real quick, the Getty Museum? Okay. So 
the Getty Museum is like this like $2 billion fucking art museum in California that is rumored to also – this is speculation. This hasn't been proven. There have been whistleblowers that have talked about it that underneath the Getty Museum are a series of tunnels, underground tunnels. Some people think uh, it's for the elite in case of you know any type of uh, mass extinction event or anything like that. They can they can be under there. But the other rumor is that it's a major epicenter for human trafficking, and this is something that's been around for you know it's at least the theories and the whistleblowers have been around for decades now. And um, you know if you look into the Getty family, they have ties to the royal family. Anytime where I hear royal family, I immediately think pedophilia because if you ever heard of Jimmy Savile he's one of the most uh, well-renowned pedophiles and he was knighted by the royal family and did a lot of their bidding so when I heard the fires um, you know it got my uh, antennas raised Um, I actually had an hour conversation with my neighbor from California and uh, we just just literally informally you know I I introduced myself and uh, she said she was from California, and I said, oh, do you miss the warm weather? And her first comment was, no, I'm not a socialist. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we can talk. So she started talking about the fires, and um, she's like, everybody thinks I'm a conspiracy theorist, but these fires are bullshit. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, I just wanted to inquire because I already thought they were bullshit. And she was like, well, right. she's like, you know, there, there's a lot of money that was supposed to go into infrastructure in California that – that did not. And this is all Gavin Newsom, and this is all oh, Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff. All the major people that are trying to impeach Trump right now are involved in a lot of this California shit. So the push is to go to um, solar, and, and there's a lot of investment in solar energy. So a lot of these fires are being set, and this is the, the, the surface-level shit, and being blamed on um, a lot of these uh, energy companies and um, – you know, we've we've talked about the uh, the Club of Rome, and this needs to be this needs to be re-emphasized as much as you can because we talk about the climate crisis stuff. This all started with the Club of Rome, and their, uh, the book that was written in the early '90s, uh, which was called the First uh, Global Revolution. Um, let me pull up the quote. Oh yeah, here we go. Page 104. Here's what it said. In searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with an idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine would fit the bill. All these dangers will be caused by human intervention and will require a response. Okay, So when we talk about um, all this climate change stuff, so right now the enemy is CO2, right? So when you blame, blame it on energy companies and gas, the whole, uh, the whole goal in this thing is to create like an illusion that we're trying to have a more sustainable environment but realistically it's about the carbon tax and the bankers collecting money on carbon and forcing people out of rural areas and forcing them into densely populated cities almost like you know herding sheep right when you want to herd sheep and they're spread out in the fields the whole goal is to get them riled up into you know uh into you know a smaller space so you, they're easily controlled and that's kind of uh, where i'm getting at but the crazy thing about it is like i've been getting a lot of inboxes from people from from california and they're all saying the same thing one you know i'm not gonna i'm gonna keep the sources anonymous but you know there's one guy that was telling me that he actually uh works for a solar company and he's 100 percent thinks that these fires are artificial and the question that you have to ask yourself is 
why are there fires in California? I mean, how many other states and regions of the country have strong winds, have dry climates? Winds do not cause these fires. There has to be some type of ignition point. Um, and you have to think to yourself, why are these fires continuously happening in California? And not just in California, but in regions of California where the elite seem to dwell, right by the Getty Museum. Well, this is during— Yeah, go ahead. This is going through like the richest parts of the California right now. The richest parts of it? California. There was another fire a couple of weeks ago, which was really close oh, to man. Bohemian Grove. And then you have this fire, which is the second fire set near the Getty Museum. And so the you know the first thing you have to say is just to like you do question question the <laughs> yeah like yeah. <laughs> so the first thing you have to do is Sorry. is question the narrative like you do right. It, it, are right. these fires natural? Stop sucking up to me. Right. Are uh-huh, these yeah, fires uh-huh. natural? <laughs> are they artificial? And then after it, So you think this is big solar? I don't know. That's the part that's speculation, oh. right? Like, I don't know whether these Getty fires have to do with destroying deep underground military bases, which some people think. Oh. There's a lot of people that think these fires are, are along the same path as some... Uh, some railway the high speed yeah, rail high speed rail that's a fucking mess that thing do you know about the high speed rail system eh, a little bit it's supposed to attach like san diego to northern california like i think above san francisco a little bit so when they first started it it was supposed to i think the proposal had it at i don't know it was either 30 billion mm-hmm. and then so they got the 30 billion and then the whole point was they were going to get the 30 billion start it and then they thought investors would come in to pitch in like another 90 million. Right. And then they got another quote saying it's going to be hundreds of billions and it's just a complete disaster right now. And then when they have to go through people's properties, they have to work out deals. Like there's a farmer sure. and it was going to go directly through his farm. And he said, well, now I can't get to the left side of my farm. So they're like, all right, we'll build a little pathway so you can get through. And he's like, okay, but now I can't get this one piece of machinery through. So they're like, all right, well, we'll buy you the machinery. So it's getting more and more expensive because just that guy alone, it's going to cost California about $100,000 just to accommodate him. Yeah. And that's one guy. And I, and I don't know if, like, it, eminent domain applies or anything like that. Uh, like I said, I haven't done too much. So so you're saying, like, the fires are almost like a fraudulent way to, like, cut costs? So I don't – no, I don't know if it's more of, like, let's get these people out of this path mm. or if it's more of, yeah, cut cost where we don't have to spend time, like, taking these trees down. They're already dead. They'll come out pretty easily. I don't know. Right. But that's another theory. You had the solar. We have this and you, underground military bases. Who knows? Right, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the – you remember Tommy always talks about motive as the – Who? <laughs> yeah, right. The uh, uh, no-name. We'll call him no-name. Um, yeah. Uh, the artist formerly known as, uh, you know, he talks about motive being the last thing we think about with conspiracy, which is true. Like the first thing you have to think about is like, you know, is it is there like some room for skepticism on this? And yeah, if you have like, you know, high level elites and politicians that are either invested in solar or like with Al Gore, maybe trying to recuperate losses. I know Al Gore had a big investment in solar technology, but um, I go a little bit deeper. Um, I go into shit like uh, UN Agenda 2030, which is kind of like mm-hmm. uh, it's it's their goal by 2030 to create a quote unquote sustainable environment. Basically, like you know, get ri- that's where like all that fucking Green New Deal shit come out comes out. Like 
I mean, it's out in the open. Like, if you listen to all the Democratic candidates, they're pushing this UN Agenda uh, twenty thirty stuff, which is you know, it's kind of like the Patriot Act, where it has this great name. But just if the listeners can like understand one thing, anything the United Nations does, you know, it has nefarious intent. It does not, ha- you know, it sounds all good and oh, we are the world, right. we are the children. Well, the, yeah, UN was the first step as globalization, yes. right? That was the UN's whole goal. Yeah, because like to the, get the people used yeah, to it. Yeah, the UN basically, it's like, you know, they're, they're non-government organizations. They weren't, they weren't elected democratically and, and they, you know, the, the, the goal is for them to override like nation states and to get rid of nation states so that they become the global force. So, you know, if you want to dive into that stuff, you know, look into stuff like the UN Agenda um, 2030 and, um, you know, look into stuff like uh, I think one of the, the companies is PG&E, one of the main companies associated with a lot of these fires like, like the neglect. They're getting protected by legislation, like they filed for bankruptcy to protect from liability. Right. And then while that was happening, there was legislation passed that put the onus on, like for a lot of the damages on the owners rather than on the energy companies. So they're getting protected. And then if you look into the P and PG&E company, guess who uh, is associated with PG&E? The fucking Rothschilds. So you have ties. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, you have ties to the Rothschilds. As a matter of fact, I think there was a uh, there was a a Rothschild um, employee that was just just resigned from the board of PG&E. So you have deep state connections to these energy companies, right? So you can speculate all you want what the fires are, but um, you know, and we can go into percentages. But I, uh, the main thing and the main crux is that I want to get across is for people to start questioning whether these fires are natural or artificial, right? So. Um, one of the guys actually inboxed me. This was a good piece of information. It showed a map of all the droughts in the United States, right? And, like, you know, red means there was a big drought and orange means there's kind of a drought. California wasn't even in question as far as droughts, you know, in across like most of it hit like the Midwest. So if, if there are really going to be a lot of fires, they're going to be in the Midwest, like Nevada, Barron. You know Arizona, you know places like that, but it seems like every year there's fires that are destroying California. You know, right? And you mentioned Al Gore, which is interesting. Isn't Al Gore leading this climate change charge because he has like uh, CO two uh, credits or whatever for when we do go to that whole system? Right, and and you know like Al Gore is like. And- just as evil as anyone else. Well, if you look at Al Gore's house, like, right, you don't see one fucking solar panel on the entire thing. Someone actually got his uh, electricity bill, and it was, like, in the thousands, like, per month. You know, so it's like... Where does he live? uh, I don't know where he lives. I know he's from my state. He's from Tennessee, but... Oh, really? Yeah, he's from Tennessee. I I don't know where... He's probably got five houses, just like all these other people, you know. And I guarantee a lot of them are are buying, you know, waterfront real estate even though they're saying that the sea levels are rising so you got to look at the people that are that are pushing this shit you know and you combine that with the fact that pelosi's trying to push impeachment right so she pelosi and schiff which are you know california congress people are trying to push impeachment at the same time these fires are occurring you know and uh it's it seems like someone's trying to cover up tracks you know to me so um yeah. yeah, but once you realize the elite are evil, right? Right. Like, just, you have to be able to picture yourself as a billionaire. Right. Would you give a fuck about the person making 50 grand down the street living in South New Jersey? You wouldn't. Absolutely not. 
So whenever, so whenever people like Al Gore and all these uh, the Rothschilds and all these people are pushing an agenda, mm-hmm. it's not for you because they don't care about you, and that's what people need to start understanding. Right. They have skin in the game somehow. Just like this Green Deal where they're pushing climate change, Al Gore is going to make billions if we ever go to this CO2 credit thing. Anyone that hasn't seen the MIT video with the, the professor from MIT who breaks down what is going to happen if we do this Green Deal, you have to watch it. I'll put a link when I tweet it out later. But it explains it perfectly. These guys buy up all the credits. The CO2 levels are never going to go down. Right. They're just going to charge people for Correct. it. So, like, businesses aren't going to stop producing. They're going to produce the same amount. Right. They're going to raise the prices. We're going to pay for it. And then you're going to have the elites like Rothschilds and Al Gore owning all the credits and selling the credits to the businesses and whoever else. Like, there's nothing good for the people or the environment in this Green Deal. Right. And that's why Trump took us out. Yeah, that's why the Paris Climate Accord was such a sham, too, and, you know— um, and that's why the war is CO- yeah. Well, the Paris thing. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, right. The the CO two war, you know, to me is like My fucking dog. Hold on a second, Hank. God damn it. That's perfect. Stop it. <laughs> no, you get. He was. It's like licking his paws. It's driving me nuts. All right, yeah. What do no, you got? I was just saying. Uh, you know, we talked about the Saul Alinsky shit. You know, and one of the ways to. Um, one of the ways to control society and the most to me the most important is to control the energy supply you know you control the energy supply you control right. the people you know like we've been energy to me is freedom that's why you know and i know you mentioned this that guy that came up with the uh, the car that can be fueled on on water right and then he, mm-hmm. and he got the patent and then didn't he get murked like a couple weeks later or uh well, same with Tesla, right? Yeah, dude, tes- Tesla had free ed- energy for everyone. Yeah, I you know, <laughs> Tesla Tesla cornered free energy, and that's why his shit got his labs got destroyed, and that's why he got taken out of the history books, and that's why the FBI wanted to see what the fuck he, he's been up to. But um, that's why I'm always worried about like all this, you know, you know, this patent shit because you know people invent stuff and then patent it, and realistically, it's just it's you know I know you want to protect your intellectual property, but it and I'm just warning anybody if you come up with a free energy source. I want you to donate it anonymously to the public and do not put your name on it for your own safety. It's not worth it. You know, donate something to the world for the better cause and fucking meme the shit out of it. Something that anybody can create in their own house because energy is independence. And if you take away energy, you take away people's independence. And that's why that uh, yellow vest movement in France was so big because it was, you know, they were doing the same thing with the carbon tax and the carbon credit and all the people in the countryside that rely on on fuels, you know, to, to transport, to do whatever they need to do, um, we're, we're, we're up in arms about it. And, and it, the protests are still fucking going on, and nobody's hearing about those protests. You know, it's crazy how, like, these protests are going on all over the world, all over the world. The Hong Kong one is huge, and nobody, nobody is talking about it. It's not even on the back pages, you know. That should be the number one right. alarm to me. You know, for for any of this is, shit, is Hong Kong still going Absolutely. on? Absolutely. Like, do they do this every day? They just go into the streets and like, <laughs> yes. don't people have work or anything? I mean, like, how does this happen? I mean, apparently not. I mean, this this is a revolution going on in Hong Kong. I think this is why the liberal movement is so loud because a lot of them don't work and they can just go stand on the streets all day. Like, I don't know, like when uh, exactly was it what, Occupy Wall Street and it was all hippies. That's exactly what it like, is. How do they do this? I mean, did we protest? You know, when Obama got elected like that? No, we had jobs. Like so. You know, 
or Ben had jobs, right? You know, R.I.P. Ben. Yeah, ben, stupid nine, nine to, five, to five job. You know, so. So why don't we wrap this up with the quick synopsis on the finders? We could try to give Uncle Danny a call. Uh, Tom is still MIA. You want to try calling, uh, you wanna try calling t- Tom at some point? Uh, well, I will, might as well try right Let's now. <laughs> Let's see. We got Tom, phone, speaker. Nothing from Tom. All right, so we got voicemail. Tom's still MIA. No answer. Still MIA, so at least we tried. By the way, let's uh, let's talk about this for a second. I think we're doing a fantastic job. I think uh, we've proven that Tom is expendable and that we should not only be nominated for co-host of the year, but possibly for host of the year. I think we should do a separate poll for host of the year. So wait, so, so you want me to take co-host and you're going to take host of the year? Well, I think we, I think we're co-hosting. I think we're both hosting, right? Like you know, you right. you compare yourself to Peyton Manning. I guess we'll 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 say I'm Tim Tebow, right? I'll I'll go more of the Tom Brady route. I think I'm more of like a like I feel like you're pandering to my QTNs, right? Sure. Like you're trying to get my QTN votes. Well, you, so I don't just want co-host of the year. I want host of the year too so you want the whole thing why stop at one yeah why stop at one if i can take both i mean hey listen you know champ champ right i mean you can take you can take you can take both belts i'm just happy i mean i'm just happy to be here a lot of people call me the better g <laughs> the better right g. yeah a lot of like a lot of people do. i always compared you and tommy to the tortoise and the hare man you know ever since you were, you were always slow chugging along, chugging along, chugging along, grinding, dude. Just <laughs> grinding it out. Just grinding. <laughs> right. But uh, no, nah, man, this is this is ex- this has been uh, this has been really fun. Yeah. Well, we'll... do you think Ben's going to be jealous? He didn't get to be on this No Tom No Mercy episode. I think uh, you know Ben. I think Ben will be okay with it. You know, I think Ben will be. I think Tommy might be butt hurt a little bit. Um, but a lot of people don't realize there's probably been four episodes that have been recorded and never made it to the airways because of Tom fuck up. So I think it's time <laughs> that we air one of these. Like he forgets to plug in his mic. He forgets to hit record. His ST his SD card is full. There's always something where it's a risk when you record with Tom. Right. I feel like when you take him out of the equation, it's easier. It's more fluent. It's more organized. So here's my question. Now, uh, they, he posted something about his laundry. Okay, have you ever been to his apartment? Oh, okay. Like, what? How do you yes. accumulate right. so, ninety-three pounds of laundry? So, first of all, whenever I go to Tom's apartment for MMA fights or whatever, Tom has gray sweatpants, flip-flops, and a DraftKings shirt or something like right. that. For a guy like him to have ninety-eight pounds of laundry, it has to be two years worth because that's all he wears. And then in the winter, he'll wear the same thing. A pair of socks instead of flip flops and a gray zip up hoodie thing. That's it. Right. So I don't know what was in the laundry bag. I feel like it's one pound of clothes and ninety six pounds of shit. I can't imagine what else is like in a, there. It must be his girlfriend. I was about to say like or a something. corpse or something. <laughs> <laughs> like he works from home. 
Like, where's he going? He goes to the bar or something else. Like, he wear, And he wears the same thing at the bar, his gray zip-up and a Yankees hat. I know when I weigh <laughs> myself with sweatpants on, I subtract 1.2 pounds. So that means that's equivalent to about 80 pairs of sweatpants that he had. But I don't know if he has it. I feel like it's the same pair. <laughs> <laughs> and it's his blankets. When he's on the couch, he's got a bunch of blankets. We call it his nest. He's got, like, all these blankets that surround him, and he sits in, like, the corner of his couch it's so, so weird. Are, are, when you're in Jersey, you come by for an MMA. I remember event. when I when I lived in the Bronx that laundry mats were a thing. But I thought people in Jersey did their own laundry. Is he just is he one of the exceptions? Yeah, that's why you get married. Um, that's why I have a wife. What do you think? I'm going to sit home and do the laundry. I sit at home and do the laundry all the time. I do. Yeah, you really? a really good system. Well, actually. that's your half Irish side. <laughs> no hundred percent Italian male ever does their laundry. Right, right. Ever. Is that why I kind of half? Half ass do it right, like the Irish side makes do it. And then the Ita- <laughs> Your Italian side kicks. Like in. I don't fold the socks, right? That's the main thing I do because I feel like I feel like the time you fold your socks and then unfold them is wasted energy, right? If you just throw them in one big po- you know, pile, it takes you two seconds to find socks that match. I think folding socks is well, overrated. No, your problem is you don't have an Italian mother. Ah, oh, that is true. That is true. Because when you have an Italian mother, she feeds you. She does your laundry all through college. You come home, give her the clothes. She does them. You go back to college. She does it your whole life. Then you get used to it. Then when you're 22, 23, you're like, what do oh, I do? Shit. You, you, I don't know if you knew this. So you got to get uh, like a girlfriend. When I was at Fordham, I went to grandma's house almost every weekend and did laundry. There you she go. She fed me, See? sent me home with food, you know, right. folded my clothes. So, I got really spoiled. Right. So if, I got really spoiled. If you had an Italian mother. Yeah. You might be married right now. Really? Because you wouldn't be able to live on your own and do your own laundry. Wow, I'd be completely dependent. So is that like a, is that a conspiracy or a psyop, the fact that the Italian women try to reel you in by creating a dependency? Jesus Christ, I never even thought of that. It could <laughs> I don't know. It might be because they feed you, they do your laundry, they do Did everything. Did you know that the I don't Italian population is actually decreasing because of stuff like that? Like a lot, of, a lot of Italian men are living at home with their moms and well into their 30s? I think I would be too yeah. if I wasn't married. Is, is, your, is, is really, your wife I, Italian? Half, half, well, a quarter. She's got. She's a mix of everything. Yeah, so. I feel like you have a lot of freedom in your marriage. So you know, she, she couldn't be full-blooded Italian, right? Man, I'm always smashing poo <laughs> and doing whatever I want. Okay, here's so my question to you. Up in the DMs. Uh, what? What's so, up? Yeah. kids, trick or treating, Halloween stuff, haunted right. houses. Is this a, is right. this going to affect how you view Halloween with your kids? Are you going to try to make it fun? Make sure that they don't get too involved in the scary stuff you know just stick to the candy the best part of having kids is the holidays to see how excited they get during the holidays like my daughter woke up today for halloween excited like it was christmas morning so that's the best part of holidays how excited they get and that's what makes it exciting for me because i can't wait till they wake up and they're like on easter that's the best where you hide all the eggs they wake up they come storming down the steps looking for eggs it's like so, the one day they wake that's up. That's one you. reason you should get some kids. Yeah. So yeah. Nobody wakes up before. I feel me. like if I had kids, I'd be less jaded about this kind of stuff. Is that true? Like you just don't have enough time mm. to be as jaded about you know digging mm. into Halloween that, and you know. Well, you would see the other side of it, right? You would see the positive side where you see how happy they are and stuff like that, and going trick or treating and getting dressed up and all that fun right. stuff. Right. You know, it's funny. It's like I say all this shit, but Halloween's my favorite holiday. I just I think it's a fun holiday. Mm. Um, Wait, are you dressing up tonight for your gig? Uh, 
I already dressed up last week. I dressed up last week. I right. got second in a costume contest last week. Okay. Uh, can I guess? Huh? You were the T in Tetris. Yeah, I should. You know, if, if I, I had a $20 budget, and if it had fit under my $20 budget, I probably would have done something. $20? Oh, you had a certain budget. Yeah, like, so oh, 20 I went to Hobby Lobby, which is like just, I don't know if you have Hobby Lobbies or whatever they quit. It's like a not. craft store. And I said, I have to have a $20 bill. I found a um, a pink beanie, which looked like a vagina hat. And, uh, oh, I saw. Yeah, that and picture, a poster yeah. board, and so I just wrote "I'm triggered" on the poster board, and then on the other side, I wrote "This is what feminism looks like," and I just went as a triggered feminazi, and right. I got second place to guess what a sexy witch. Okay. Yeah, bro. A sexy witch. Well, who was voting? The people. The people were voting. Was it was, like it was based panel? on applause. Yeah, of course. I, I can't sexy witch but Bro, i'd be voting for the poo right. too but i came out 30 dollars on top because i won 50 bucks so i mean i profited 30 bucks off of it which made me think like there there's a go. market for halloween uh costume contest so if you come up with a good one and just like go around to different clubs uh, just go state to state just fucking, <laughs> you could earn a lot of money just drive cross country take advantage of that Yo, three hour time zone and hit how up. much you want to bet there's an underground competitive costume contest like ring oh i'm sure there <laughs> like, is Bro, I just before we went on the air, I saw someone tweet. Uh, I think someone put it in our timeline. <laughs> the the transvestite that had oh no the belly and started stabbing their belly, and they took out the blood and they were drinking their blood. And people were just sitting there oh, watching man, it like it's normal. Oh my god, fucking weird. All right, so let's do the finders. Okay. Look, man, I think Mad Lab wants back on the air. You got something? I think he's just yeah. That's probably calling to see how he did. <laughs> So let's do finders, and then we'll end the show trying to call Uncle Danny and see how that Perfect. goes. All right. So basically the finders – all right. So the narrative of what the finders is is a hippie alternative lifestyle, alternative parenting, not a cult. What do they call it? An organization, I guess you would call mm-hmm. it? I don't know. So whatever they would call it, that's the narrative. Now, if you want to start where it – first got discovered in Tallahassee why don't you start there well I you know from my digging into it um I know it, it, it dated back to the 80s right and uh well I think it was even it was before, before it that 69 now, maybe? Like, it's like seven yeah like in 50s 60s but it didn't hit the public till, till the 80s 87 that Tallahassee thing right so it had there was some kids that were malnourished looking and right like let's let some police to right they had scratches bug bites bug bites malnourished and they they led the police mistakenly to a truck that had some like high-tech devices right that were were confiscated right and it included like uh pictures of uh you know children in compromising positions and uh children in chains and naked photos of kids and and didn't it lead them to a so warehouse the reason in it Washington? Got, yeah, so the reason it got alerted by the police was the kids looked disheveled, right. but they were with two guys that were dressed perfectly in suits. So it looked like when you were getting chased by the guys in suits when you were doing yep. your, what do you call them? And I looked malnourished as well. Yeah. I looked like a malnourished <laughs> child. <laughs> Dude, you do. <laughs> by the way, I'm above 140 pounds. There you go. <laughs> So, yeah, it was like that. And then, yeah, they found computer equipment inside the the truck, but it was advanced for the time. So it had, like, the early forms of email. Okay. 
So the leader was basically communicating with them through that computer, that technology that they had in the van. Right. And so, you know, we talk about all the time how the government's 20 to 50 years ahead of us in technology. So if there's early signs of email, they had that shit 20 years before it was released to the public. Right. The weird thing in this whole story that I don't get is the the Chinese correlation in this. So when they found the kids, they also found what Chinese translation books and they said one or two of the kids could count in Chinese like it was really weird. And I think what they were when they did that raid that you were talking about in D.C. and everywhere, Mm -hmm. they found communication with someone in China and they were saying the instructions were how to sell kids yes. or something. It was something like that, right? Yeah, there was an instruction on, on how to abduct and, and sell kids. There was also weird stuff when they interviewed the kids that they didn't know what, like, certain technology, like, basic technology. They didn't know what, like, a stapler was or a right. typewriter right. and, um, you know, all these other weird things. And the other thing that made it, like, conclusive that the CIA was involved, that there weren't there logs to specific places like North Korea and China and, like, Places that were, were right all over the all over the world all over the world that wouldn't be accessible unless it was you know like had some type of like government um, you know green light in order to get airline there. so that, that that's that's a, an immediate red flag and so how did it get covered up it's just like they they investigated and then just got dropped so like the main guy from the eighties that they said was the leader even though I don't know if he was the head leader I feel like this guy was like the the front man. That they called the game caller. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the heck was his name? Marion Petty. Marion something like that. Marion Petty. He had um, ties to high-ranking military officials, mm-hmm. right? So this guy was kind of like the cover for the whole operation. They called him the game caller because he lived life almost one day at a time, where every day was a game, and he would use the people around him to experiment with. So I think one of the people that used to be in it said, like, an example of a game would be, all right, uh, leave here with no money, come back with $100. Hmm. Right. So he would run an experiment to see what happened. He, his wife was in the CIA, mm-hmm. and his son was working for the CIA airline. I forget what the heck it was called. Hmm. So he had connections throughout, and he was basically the front man for this. He died in, like, 2004 or something. Right. It's it, it, so, it's, yeah, it's it's strange, man, and and uh, I know that um, there was a uh, golly, there's there's links to what the Franklin cover up because there's this guy named DeCamp and he was a Republican uh, uh, congressman that reported on this finders shit back in the '80s, and so people started like anonymously, you know, uh, coming coming forth like intel, you know, former intelligence people coming forth giving anonymous information to him. And then he actually did a documentary called uh, The Conspiracy of Silence, which had to do with this um, this uh, orphanage in Omaha, Nebraska, which was funneling kids to elites. And it went all the way to officials in the White House during the Bush and Reagan administration, right? So you mm-hmm. have CIA ties, government ties, people doing the bidding for, for high-ranking uh, political officials. And there was a there was a, a politician that was really involved. His name was Larry King, not like the Larry King that you hear, you know, like right. on the on the on the television. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, that's actually a perfect um, perfect impression. <laughs> uh, there's another Larry King. So if 
you know, the, the this guy was linked to the finders as well as to uh, the uh, fr- what's called. The, he wrote a book called The Franklin Cover Up. If you guys want to read that, or you can watch The Conspiracy of Silence. Um, Eddie Bravo actually talks about it, but this links to uh, George Bush. Um, it links to the Bohemian Grove, which is the uh, the vacation spot for a lot of these elites. Because um, one of the victims from the conspiracy of silence uh, was a whistleblower and talked about some of the disgusting stuff that happens at the Bohemian Grove. So th- this stuff has been going on since you know, like you said, the the late '60s and pro- you know, obviously way before then. But but it's a it's a it's documented, and the fact is, it's covered up. That's the most important thing because this conspiracy of silence documentary it was supposed to air on the discovery channel and it got bounced right first 48 i think there was two different shows that were investigating and wanted to do an episode on it that never happened and the cia i believe at one point admitted to owning the finders Hmm. but they called it a domestic computer training operation so that's why they had the technology and what i think this was in my theory this was Obviously, CIA-related. Now, I don't even know if it's still going on or not, but I think it was a group they set out to do this stuff that they can't do with as far as uh, human trafficking. And the technology was part of it because that's how they could communicate with people all over the world. Right. Well, that's exactly what it was. And well, that's how the uh, the Franklin cover-up got exposed because— there was $40 million missing from some budget, and they went and investigated it. You know, that's where, like, a lot of this black money goes is into black, you know, projects like this, you know. Um, but I think the guy they put in charge, where this Marion guy, I think he was so crazy that he turned it, it – like, I think it went wrong. They didn't want it to go the way it did, mm-hmm. and they were basically fucked at that point. They didn't know what to do. Because this guy was so crazy, it turned into a cult instead of what they probably really wanted was just a human trafficking operation. And instead, this guy made it a cult where there's females that live in one section, males lived in another section, and they would have orgies, blood sacrifices, all this random stuff. I think it was to the point where you couldn't have sex unless the female asked you to have sex. Like It was really weird and strict like that. And they didn't even live in the same area. Like, the males and females were separated. So I think this guy got put in charge of whatever this operation was and just made it his own personal cult. Do you think there was any kind of, like, farming, kind of like the John of God, like, sex farming kind of thing? Probably, because you had the women. Like, the whole project was weaning these kids off their mothers. Mm-hmm. So the the original kids they were taking in, they had to get them used to not depending on their mother. That's why they called it like an alternative lifestyle and parenting. Right. And then they probably said, listen, let's start having kids and create. I don't know if they were trying to create a utopia in their eyes mm-hmm. or something else. I, I have no idea. Uh, they Probably in their so, eyes, they think it's a utopia, you know. Um, but, right. you know, we, we are obviously not psychopaths, so we don't think like them. So they may think that they're doing God's work or they are their own gods. And, you know, this is their... I mean, remember how Epstein said that, like, or it was John of God that basically, you know, he wanted to fucking spread his seed all over, you know, and uh, same thing with Epstein, right? Like, he didn't didn't he want to like fucking like store his genitals or something like that? There was some <laughs> weird thing about it. some weird ass shit about Epstein and, and wanting to store his genitals. Or, 
But yeah, I, I was really. But even Epstein, I don't think Epstein was the main. I think he was just like this guy, where he was the front guy. Yeah. Like Epstein was obviously in some kind of spy organization, whether it was who, uh, Israel. Yeah, I mean, or Ma- I mean, CIA, Mossad. Or, you know, who knows? It's all yeah, the same like, shit, man. He was obviously working for someone. <clears throat> like that's why he got that mansion for one dollar that had all the spy equipment right. in it. Right. And he was just setting everyone up for blackmail. So these guys are kind of like the head coaches, right, of these organizations, right? Right. They're the face of the company. Because if you're really this powerful elite, you don't want to be in the front. Just like the Rothschilds right. are not the head. Right. There's people behind the Rothschilds, right? Sure. So that that's the people, the names you don't know. Sure. And that's what I think this is, too. Yeah. And so what happens to the head coach when, you know, when he's either – not doing performing well or he gets exposed for whatever i mean he's the easiest one that gets chopped off right like he's the first you strangle him in prison strangle him in prison that's what you do (laughs) you know so yeah it it actually reminds you know this finder stuff reminds me i mean because they do this mk ultra stuff they do this uh electroshock Mm. therapy well that's what they found they found books on uh brainwashing people or right as a matter of fact like i think it was earlier this year in italy they arrested like 18 20 people um, for brainwashing, like selling children. Um, and one of the things they did was they brainwashed into thinking their parents were evil so that they could take them away and sell them off. And, and one of the things that they were doing was using electroshock, uh, electroshock therapy to create false memories. So these children, actually their brains like get completely reprogrammed into thinking you know, illusionary things that their parents are the ones torturing them and and they're being em- embraced by these new people, and uh, they're going to sell them off into sex slavery. And they don't know anything else. That's why when you hear the testimonies of these kids and they don't know what a typewriter is or a stapler or basic things you know, that any child over the age of three would know in the, you know, in the 80s and 70s at least, uh, that means that they've been born into this shit. You know, they don't know any different. It's just crazy. It's unbelievable. But – Here's the thing. Anyone that's sitting there right now saying these two idiots are completely crazy. This is all real stuff. You can go to the FBI website, go into the vault, and you can look up all the declassified documentation. This is all real. We're not just making stuff up. We're not crazy conspiracy theorists. This is all real stuff you could research and look up on your own. So I don't want people to think we're just fucking two psychopaths talking about pedophilia. And And that's where it goes to, like, Pizzagate, right? So I think with Pizzagate, people get confused because they think just Comet Pizza, oh, it's all bullshit. Right. But isn't Pizzagate just pizza's the term for, what, trafficking yeah, kids? Yeah, Pizzagate is the biggest misconception because it got diverted to the pizza restaurant, right? You know, and they're like, oh, right. you know, because, I mean, who would believe that there's a child trafficking ring running out of a pizza restaurant, right? That that That's how right. you label Pizzagate people, crazy conspiracy theorists. That's why some, you know, there was that false flag operation, you know, supposedly where this guy goes into comic pizza and shoots up the place, but really he just shot like a computer or some shit like that. But the Pizzagate is the pedo code talk, um, and that's actually right. what turned me on to the the whole uh, child sex trafficking thing is when I read the code in the Podesta emails. That's why the Podesta emails are so big because. They use encoded language like saying, like, you know, do you prefer to play dominoes on cheese, pizza, or on pasta? And uh, they use terms like walnut sauce and hot dogs and, you know, pep. Right. So when you hear Pizzagate, don't think Comet Pizza. Right. Think pizza is the term that these idiots use when they communicate about 
little right. kids. Right, so pizza might represent like young male boy and pasta might represent, you know, young male girl um, and things like that. And so like when you read these emails, you're like, and you read them out loud, like the language of the email, you're like, there's no, like, who the fuck talks like this? Like, no one's that into pizza. Like, why do they like pizza so much? <laughs> like, have you ever had an email with a friend talking about pizza? Not, not to the extent that, 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 that these guys are going into detail. And the language doesn't make sense. Like, hey, Kurt, you want to come right. over and play dominoes on pizza and on pasta with me? Yeah. Sure, man. I'll see right. you there. I'll bring the hot dogs. You know, it's yeah. like... Like that's what Pizzagate is, and I, I you know, at some right. point I'd like to dive real deep in, into Pizzagate uh, just to kind of change people's con- uh, conception of it because that's the one that gets like, that's the one that shuts down the conversation about international child sex trafficking because because right. the psyop is that you start talking about it, and people are like, oh, you're a Pizzagate, you know, you believe in Pizzagate, you conspiracy right. theorists. No, I mean, well, there's there's declassified shit. That if you just do a basic search, you can you can read it yourself. Right, guys. All this is on the FBI website. Right. You could look most of this stuff up in the vault. Right. And that's why Julian Assange is his number one target, dude. I mean, like he's getting God, that that guy is a true hero in my opinion. You know, um, but happy Halloween, so right? I got ten minutes here. <laughs> happy yeah, Halloween, I got ten dude. minutes here. We could try to give Uncle Danny a call. Okay, let's do it. And I, I, I could try to work the mic levels again. And if it sucks, hopefully we can cut this okay. out. So let me try to call him. Hold on. We'll go to, go to speaker. Uh, let me look for his contact info under shithead. Oh, there he is. Right here. Call Dan. All right. Let's see. Here we go. Uncle Danny. Hey. Uh, you got a second? Hey. There he is. Bob, you on? There he is. Hello? Dan, you're on the pod with Bob and the bod. Tom is missing in action. We wanted to get your thoughts on Tom as a no-show. Tom as a no-show? No-show to his own podcast. He's probably at a gay bar. <laughs> 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 right. What are you worried about? Tom told me he was going to transform. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. And there we go. <laughs> Tom told me he was now considering himself a woman. Right. It's not just a Halloween <laughs> costume. It's not just a Halloween thing, costume. Huh? It's a real thing. Huh? No, uh, when he wakes up every morning and he sees what's between his legs, he says it's small enough anyway. I might as well oh be a woman. <laughs> oh so, so confirm, Tom has a micro penis. Tom has a micro penis. Yeah. <laughs> I of, I, yeah, yeah, How's your fantasy lineup looking? How's your fantasy lineup looking? Let me tell you something. I almost said to my lineup today because it's horrible. Who's your Who's your core two? I can't tell you my core two because if I tell you my core two... Listen, it's, it's not for me or Bob. It's for the fans. You have a fan following now. You need to give them your core two each week. Well, that's simple. It can't be Jeremy... McCaffrey. You're right. crazy. I thought you were going to say Jeremy Macklin. No, if you don't take Breeze and McCaffrey, you're crazy. Those guys are going to get you 60 points. What about Tiki Barber? So you're what about Tiki, Lar- Tiki Barber and, uh, Barber and Phil and, Sims? Uh, and Phil Sims? No, but of course I don't have Breeze and McCaffrey in my line. 
No. Because I'm, I'm too stupid to make a lineup with them in it, you know? So right. I want to reach for stuff. I'll, I'll take Evan Ingram and his 11 points. Right. So who is the first you know? guy you put in your lineup? My defense. The worst defense ever. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Who is your de- who is your defense? Whoever's at the bottom, that's the first thing I put in. I put a defense in, okay. the bottom defense in. And then, then what's... I take my players, and then I then I add to my defense later if I choose, if I like it. And how has that okay. how has so that strategy that worked for you this year? Absolutely sucks. Right. So you would say you're in last place in the family league. Yes, last place. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so why Not don't we? Long, why don't we change the strategy? <laughs> I did change the strategy this week. Okay. So walk us through it. I went to I went to I changed strategy strategies this week. I turned around and I saw my deficiencies. Mm-hmm. I went back to my core, go with strong running backs and then work your way around the rest of the lineup. Okay. So who would so, those be? I can't tell you who those would be. Think again, it's not going to take my picks. It's Listen, you're in last place. Why would we take your picks? It's not for us, it's for your fans. Because I am the five-time champion. Of what? By five-time, you mean year. you've never won. And I've come, I am the five-time weekly champion. All right, weekly it's champion. It's the second half of the season now. Mm-hmm. What do I do? I come on strong in the second half, and I'm usually the best one. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I took my – I went back to my original go with strong running backs. And okay. who, who invented that okay. philosophy? Who, who invented that philosophy? Uh, Robert That's Abraham me. Bosch. That is me. Okay. That is me. Yes. So, how are your receivers looking? Actually, actually, uh, you're gonna like my lineup. Mm-hmm. You're gonna like my lineup because I did I did some research and I actually went with a lot of guys who I I can't even say their names. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't even know how to say their names, mm-hmm. but I got them in my lineup. Right. So it's actually a good lineup. All right. So. All right. Do you have anything to say to your fans before you go to you get off what, here? All three of them. Yeah, all three of them. Well, Constantino. Oh god. Still got the coolest move ever made. Oh god. Okay. Listen, we had Mad Lab on before. I love Mad Lab. Yeah, he was breaking down Mad, the fights. Mad, yeah, Mad Lab's the only person that that scares me. Right. I would I would never fight Mad Lab. He scares me. <laughs> nobody nobody else scares me. No one on this planet scares you besides Mad Lab. Well, there's a couple of people, but Mad Lab, when I'm around Mad Lab, I'm like, I would never fight this guy. So you feel protected? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. So, otherwise, that's it. <laughs> Is Tom really missing? Yeah. We were supposed to do the podcast at 11 a.m. Yeah, I tell you what, I'm going to ask yeah, Danny three questions. Yeah, this is our conspiracy podcast. First, Danny, biggest conspiracy, did we land on the moon? What are your percentages? What are your percentages? Stop with the nonsense. Okay, stop with the nonsense. Okay, so, so nonsense. 0% so, so that zero. it's fake. Okay, who killed JFK? Who killed JFK? Oh, the mob killed The mob killed JFK. So, all right, so we got a little bit, we got a little bit of conspiracy. 9-11, thoughts? Um, I still have never seen a picture of the plane crashing into the okay. Pentagon. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. boy. Okay. 
Okay, so no matter how much, how many times I watch that in slow motion, it's never there. I never see, you can't see a plane that, I'm around planes all my life, and you would see that plane. So there's no plane that hit that Pentagon. So how could you say stop with the conspiracies, then talk about 9-11 might be a conspiracy? Well, 9-11, there's something weird about 9-11. So you think they would do 9-11, but they would never in a million years fake a moon landing? No, they didn't fake the moon landing. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Because here's, here's the deal. When they came out with that Hubble telescope, and look this up. They came out with the Hubble telescope. They actually took pictures of the moon, and they actually found the flag and stuff that was pl- placed on the what moon. What if I told you that was CGI? What if I told you that was CGI? Okay, listen, CGI. What the hell does CGI mean? This is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. CGI's dead. Let's just leave it at that. Listen, I don't even want to explain it. Let's just leave it at that. Stop talking nonsense to me. <laughs> <laughs> they landed on the moon. Trust me on that one. So why haven't we gone back to the moon? They, when they uh, they made it to the moon and everybody was excited. And then when, I think it was two missions later, I think it was Apollo 13, when they almost lost the people. And then NASA saw how much money they were spending on the program. Oh, yeah, like, like America has ever cared about how much money they spend. And nobody really cared. And that's when they actually started. Um, that was actually when they started thinking about the space shuttle, but they never, they didn't have the technology, they didn't have the designs, but they had the idea that's what they wanted to get involved in. They wanted to get involved with, like, just driving around in space, like Star Trek stuff. Hmm. Uh, but they never, they never made it to that point. I mean, semi made it to that point with the space shuttle. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. All right, well, Dan, okay. I, I got to okay. go trick-or-treating right. here. Do you have any final words for Tom? Oh, I love Tom. What? Even though he's, even though he's missing... Even though he's R.I.P. Right. Even though he's missing, he's all right. So how do you feel about me and Bob commandeering his podcast? It's probably going to be good. <laughs> it's probably going to be good, and it's probably going to be worth it damn to listen to. And um, it's probably going to be the best one ever made. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a question for you. Okay, this is question. an important question, Danny, and I want you to answer this on air so everybody can hear it. Co-host of the year. If you had to choose between the bod and sideshow Bob, right now, based on everything you've heard, who would you pick? That's really super hard because I like listening to you both. Um, I I get a little pissed off about the curse word, so I might give the edge to Bob. Okay, okay. Do I? Okay. I don't curse. curse. So, so Bob might get the edge because of the less F-U's. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um... But Kurt just comes up with just some stuff that just blows right. me away. Podcast right. gold. Yeah, Kurt. Kurt seems like he's a little more his thoughts, and Bob is his thoughts with added research. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of it's it's yeah, it's too hard for me. But we can agree that, that can without agree Tommy, that. the show must go on. The show must go on. I mean, if you put a gun to my head, I'd have to go with Bob because of the less cursing. The is fuck? there like a uh, yeah? Is there like a cheer, a cheer, a soundbite that we can that we can hear? I'll just sit. Fantastic answer. Because they they both know Tommy and Kurt will say like the greatest things. Really smart, super intelligent, eloquent. You know, they they speak well, and then all of a sudden, good job bailing on that word. Yeah, then have to end it with a fuck you. <laughs> and then I get mad. Right. 
All right, so go right, fuck right. yourself. I got to go oh, trick or treat. Oh, now you're going to hang up on him. Oh, now you're going to hang up on him. <laughs> well, now I can do whatever I want because who cares? <laughs> okay, so go on with the show, and it'll probably be the highest rated one ever. <laughs> and one last note, the, the, the Democrats just committed political suicide today <laughs> by going after Trump. And I think America should march on Washington. Let's do it. You start it. All yeah, right. You start it. Great so, final words, Dan. All right, y'all. All right. Hey, I'm going to send you a picture of my lineup because uh, it for me. All right, cousin. We got you. Oh, oh, I need oh, one last thing. Oh, boy. Yeah. My suicide pull. Yes. You should do it. Um, oh. I was going to take the Jets Don't do it. Don't do it. No, there, no, there's three rules in suicide pools. Never do a Jet game, never do a Giant game, and never do an away team. Yeah, so I'm just going to go with the 49ers and blow my load <laughs> with them tonight. All right. You blow your load tonight. So, <laughs> all right, right. Thank you, Dan. All six people listening and Mad Lab. And your and fans. You got fans. I got fans. I, I want to see the Twitter blow up a little bit. Okay. okay. And, and just remember, Constantino did the coolest thing I've ever seen. So. Okay. All right. Well, thank later, you for coming on. All right. We'll see you later. All right. See you. Bye. Right, bye. Bob, you still there? What a phone call. What a phone call. I mean... You know, we never have this stuff with Tom, no, do we? No, I feel like we have a lot more freedom. I feel like we have a lot more freedom. It's like, you know, it's like, I think this is our Hong Kong movement, right? Like Tommy's China, and uh, right. we, we have our Hong Kong movement uh, towards freedom and liberty. And now that we've achieved that, you're seeing the product firsthand. Does anyone know how to do podcasts? Because these level changes, I the sound is probably going to be a oh, it's mess be terrible. when people call It's going to be terrible. Because when you talked, I had to move the phone like under my shirts so it didn't echo because you're talking into two things now and then when dan would talk i had to pull it back up and then turn the volume up like it's gonna be a well uh i know we can do some post editing if if you're dedicated enough and you want to actually time stamp everything absolutely (laughs) not so uh so all right so let's wrap it up uh how does tom end this uh bob final words final words kurt i want you nope okay thank you (laughs) bod had a great show Guys, thanks for tuning in. If you only listen to Tom episodes, tune in in three months when we find them. Okay, thank you and stay questioning. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. Ain't, ain't, ain't no mercy.